Hey everyone, welcome back to Keeping Track. We're doing a mini series here in the next few weeks that is spotlighting a few women who are building up for the upcoming US Women's Olympic Trials Marathon. Uh, it's gonna be in Orlando, Florida, February 3rd. We'll link streaming details. I'll be there on the starting line in person. Um, and today, our first guest we talked to who's racing is Erica Kemp. Erica graduated from NC State in 2018 as a six-time All-American. Since then, she's won the U.S. 15K Road Champs, the 20K Champs, and some larger U.S. road races such as the Reebok Women's 10K last year. She spent some time with Team BAA, ran the Boston Marathon as her first marathon in the spring, and now trains in Providence, Rhode Island with Rhode Island Track Club. We'll hear more from Erica Kemp. Hi, Erica. Here we are with Erica Kemp. We are both in Phoenix, Arizona, but not in the same room. <laughs> We're a few miles away. Um, how is it going? And can you just tell us where you are and what you've been doing the last like two months? Yeah, um, I've been doing good. We're in Scottsdale, which I guess is like a suburb-ish of Phoenix. I've never been here until I got here two months ago, but it's been really nice. And I understand why all of the snowbirds flock here because it really is like beautiful in the winter. Yes. And um, we're kind of, Erica's in Rhode Island Track Club, coached by Kurt, my husband. And so we have a little tiny group getting ready for the U.S. Marathon Olympic Trials, which is in a couple weeks now. So Erica, I really wanted to profile a few women um, from the trials. It's hard to share every story because we have like how many women? 150 on the start line. <laughs> Something but, like that. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going to go for it. Um, you're fresh off a of PR at Houston Half. So I guess what, why don't you talk a little bit about how you think training's going and how you felt in Houston Half? Because that was like your first big test in the middle of a buildup, which we all know how your legs feel in a marathon buildup. So that's a really good sign. Yeah, it's definitely different. And I would, I mean, like the entire marathon thing in general is really scary, but this build in particular, because I don't know if it's because everything's gone pretty well, or like, I'm not a coach, you'd have to really get into it with Kurt to see what was so different about this build. But I feel like we've been really fortunate with not having any hiccups with like illness or little injuries or just like the little things that kind of like chip away at your momentum. So even though it's been like a super long training block, it was like two months of just building and building momentum. So to like run a PR last weekend was great because it was like, even though we've done a lot of work and like the legs are a little heavy, we're still, you know, ready to race. Yeah, you were 69 low. You got under that 70 minute barrier by a lot, almost under 69. Um, <laughs> so that's a good place to be. Um so your first marathon was Boston Marathon just this past spring, right? Like how yeah. was that experience and how was that build up? Like, do you feel like you've built on that or is it too hard to compare two different buildups? Like, what are your thoughts when you look back? Like, it's good having one, at least one under your belt at this point. Yeah, I'm really glad we did it because I'm not so worried about being able to like complete it. Like the marathon just seems so daunting that you're like, will I even finish this thing? But having Boston under my belt, I know that like physically I could run 26.2 miles, which is good to know and like have in the back of your mind. But the build for that, it was still with Kurt, but I'd only known him for like, 
you know, a few weeks before we started working. And then we had like eight weeks to get ready for it. So it was pretty rushed. It was like chaotic because everything was so new. And I think we managed it really well. But this time around, we had a year essentially since we started working together. So I think it's gone a lot better just because, you know, we know each other a little better. We had so much more time to build into it. Like, I think what really helped was more so the build before the build. Like that, you know, like summer and fall training block that kind of gets you in shape to then do your marathon training. So having all that extra time, I think, has been super helpful. Yeah. And even if on paper, like your Boston experience wasn't as fast as you had hoped, like you still kind of made history. Like, what do you think about that? That got some headlines and it was kind of an important race for you, even though I know you can run way faster than that. (laughs) Yeah, it's super. It's like kind of weird for me just because obviously like as a competitor, I wanted to run a lot faster, but what I did on the day and making history as like the fastest American born black woman was such a huge thing that I never like set out to do. And then it was kind of this thing that happened and it just like, it changed a lot of things, you know? I mean, yeah, I got some like great press for it and everything, but more so than that, now when I go to different events or when I meet people like that is something on their minds, not like, oh, like the US title I ran or whatever my PR is. It's like, this thing is like so important to so many people. Yes, and um, definitely gonna lower the mark. I have feel confident in that. Um, you are really good on the roads. Like you mentioned, you have two US road championships so far mm-hmm. and you've won a couple other really big road races. Like, but do you feel like that's your strong suit or do you think it's the training? Like how, I, it seems like you've adapted to the roads really well in your last few years as a pro? I think it suits me really well. I do still love like good track workouts and things like that. But I think the roads are a little easier on your body as far as not getting, I don't know, those like tiny little injuries with like your hips or your feet or just like the track can be really, really repetitive and running's already really repetitive on your body. And there's just something mentally and spiritually about the roads that I think gets me really excited because they're bigger events. You have, you know, all these different crowds, you have the courses that wind through these different towns. So you just don't get bored. And I do not run well if I'm bored and like checked out. So I think the roads are just a little bit more exciting for me. There's definitely like a festival atmosphere at road races. I think it's kind of fun too. Like there's always a band somewhere. There's, there's a always band somewhere. Someone <laughs> drinking a beer at 10 a.m. Yeah. Like there's so much going on. Yeah, the bands help. Thank you all the musicians on our courses. Yeah. <laughs> um, so going into the trials, what are, do you, you don't have to share like tons of secrets or details, but like, do you guys have goals? Like, how are you feeling going into it? And um, yeah, like what's what's on your mind going into the trials as far as like plans? Yeah, that's a great question and one that we should definitely discuss. (laughs) Um, But like I said, everything's gone really well. And I think we did absolutely everything we set out to do. Um, I don't know what that means outcome goal wise. But at the beginning to be at the beginning of this build, we figured to be competitive on the day for some of those top spots, we need to be in like, low 220 shape, you know, like 224, 223. So like, that's what all of our training was kind of geared towards in those paces. It was, that's what we were building for. And it's gone really well. I think we're in a really good spot. So if we can have that kind of performance and, you know, the day cooperates and I'm in there at the end, who knows what we can do. 
Do you have any interesting stories around your, um, or can you talk a little bit about your heat training strategy? Because obviously it being in Orlando at 10 a.m., like it could not be a hot, humid day, but we're all preparing for the possibility. So, you know, there's lots of ways to do that. What was your, what was your way? Yeah, my, I, the best thing I've done for heat training, which who knows how well it translates to running, but it definitely translates to sweating and breathing was hot yoga. It's so hot. And I think the humidity is probably like the biggest factor in that one, just because as soon as you're sitting in the room, you're just drenched in sweat and the air is so thick, but also doing the yoga on top of it, it's like strenuous, but not so hard. It's like taking away from my running and my mobility has actually improved. So I think that's really helped a lot. Yes. When you mentioned that at the beginning of the training camp, which keep in mind, we're in Arizona. So like, we're going to have some hot days, just not humid hot. Um, I was like, that's like really good idea. That's like a multitasking, like really genius idea because it is hot. You're in there long enough and you're actually getting like mobility. So I wanted to come on board, but just with the baby schedule, I was like, that'd be delusional. I'm obviously not going to find an extra (laughs) 90 minutes to go do hot yoga. I went with the hot tub route, Um, but it's like an interesting, like we all had to talk about, like we had a call with, like for the listeners who want to know like what this is like, we had a, we all had a call with our USATF. I don't know what Robert Chapman is. He's like our resident, like physiologist, I guess you could say. He knows everything there is to know about running at altitude, training at altitude, heat Mm -hmm. training. He's done all these, like he's done a lot of studies on a lot of different things to do with endurance uh, sports and he was telling us the parameters are you want to be in at least 105 degree heat um, after at least a 40 minute run if you're going to tack it on to the end of your run and you want to kind of like work from 20 minutes up like to i don't know if it was like half an hour or what um and that's that's how you heat train i guess if anyone was curious as to what <laughs> what the strategies are so yeah. um I don't know how hot it is in your hot yoga room, but I'm sure it's hot enough if you're sweating. Yeah, it feels like the feels like temperature is over 100. The room actually isn't over 100 because that would be criminal. Um, But with the humidity, that feels like temperature can get very warm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, your old school go to layer up on your runs, which I think actually does help quite a bit. Because I'm usually if we were back home and it was 50 degrees, I would be in shorts and a T-shirt maybe gloves if it was like a little balmy but here it's been like 60s in the morning and you know thermal tights long sleeve shirt which should be way too much but actually like feels fine yeah like we're not trying to go overboard but i definitely have tossed on a cotton sweatshirt for some of my runs and checking the box (laughs) checking the heat training box watch it be like cold and rainy but we're preparing we're going to be prepared we're going to be prepared Okay, so Erica, like what has been throughout this buildup? Like, do you have favorite parts of marathon buildups or favorite workouts? And what's your least favorite thing about marathon training? The least favorite is super easy. Um, the long runs are so hard. And my least favorite thing in any training block. Um, and with the marathon, they're so important, which is just like makes it that much tougher because I already don't enjoy them. And now they're super important. Um, favorite parts. I think my favorite part was honestly just like seeing how well everything went. 
like successfully doing marathon training was like incredibly rewarding because like I feel really confident doing you know track workouts and getting ready for track races because that's like what my background is but doing some of the bigger like eight ten mile workouts and like doing them well is like very rewarding so how do you get through those workouts like did you ever get intimidated by any of them or were you just breaking them down into small pieces because i feel this like some of those marathon workouts i always approach and i'm just like uh i don't know if i'm gonna do this to be able to do this today yeah i think being not good at math has helped me a lot <laughs> because kurt will break down the workout and when i go to put it like in my log at the end of the day it ends up being like eight plus miles of volume but I can't do math on the fly like that. So I'm just like one rep at a time. I'm assuming it's like five or six miles of work, which is just sounds a lot more manageable. So I just like grind away as if I'm only running five or six miles. And then I go home on tired legs running like 12. Yeah. Not having a car and having to run everywhere probably adds up to your, your <laughs> yeah. mileage too. Yeah. And then the fact that Kurt's workouts can be puzzles and you don't really think about. <laughs> you literally don't know what's happening. They're a little complicated. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Some of the days down here, it was like, we need to write down what he just said, because even though he's not coaching me, he tried to work in your workouts yeah. <laughs> so that I could jump in so that some of the guys could help pace. And it was like this big brain teaser that we were like, I'm just going to take it a rep at a time here. Yeah, you just start and stop whenever he says so, <laughs> yeah. and you just trust the process. Yes, and here we are. We're getting to the end. We're getting to the end of it. So what do you think your your focus will be, not to think too far past the trials, because I know like that is the focus, but do you think you will, um, well, I guess you want to see what happens, and then like, what do you think you guys will focus on long-term? Like, are you a marathoner now? Are you going to be someone who bounces track to road? Like... Or are you going to still talk about that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think categorically, like I will be listed as a professional marathoner for the rest of my career, but definitely not done on the track. Um, we've definitely talked about getting back on the track, like the next opportunity we can, but there's no l real like rush, whether that's this summer or next summer. Um, and then really getting after some like halves, like not in the middle of marathon training, but like really committing to it and you know running some 10ks ahead of time to just like go after something super fast and doing something fun um which is like hard to come up with not that like everything isn't fun but when we talk about like what is your next marathon going to be kurt asked me like well which ones are exciting and it's like i have no idea <laughs> but we'll figure it out would you be excited to travel somewhere like go to Europe or like Australia or somewhere like that? I know I don't know if you've done much of that yet with like the last couple of years, but um, does that sound cool or do you like racing in the US the best? Like what are your thoughts on exploring? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't raced overseas yet, so that would be super fun. Um, granted, I think if I really wanted like when I think about what marathons like make me the most excited, it's like New York. Like I'm from New Jersey. I've watched New York so many times in person. It's so special. Um, but there are lots of things overseas, especially like, you know, watching people run Copenhagen or Valencia half. And you're like, wow, that looks like so much fun. And then I can just stay in Valencia for a week and have the time of my life. Yeah, and run fast because all the world records are coming out of Valencia these days. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what's <laughs> in the water in Valencia, but yes. 
Yeah, so we did try it sometime. <laughs> we did the half there a couple of years ago. It would they have a nice like setup. Like that town is really fun, and we went to the beach afterwards. So I do recommend. <laughs> See, perfect. <laughs> I do recommend Valencia. Although I will say, track in Europe is kind of better than in the U.S. because people love track over there and road racing. I agree with you. Like I get a little more excited about road races here because I don't know. We just I feel like it. I feel like it originated here, and we just. People are way more into it, but that's just yeah. my it's almost observation. Like <laughs> yeah. Like you just like the people are excited to see you and like you're excited to be there. And it's just like very welcoming. Totally. Like, I'm sure European road races are just as great, but if they feel a little more like businessy. Yeah. Yeah. This is like kind of a hometown party. I don't know if they have as many people dressed as hot dogs, like running around, right. et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love that guy, whoever that is. Yeah. <laughs> um Erica, okay, so we hit a lot of the professional side of things. Like you graduated, was it 2018 from NC State? Yeah. Is that the year you graduated? What do you think has, like in your growth as a pro, like what have you learned in the last couple of years? And like how, like what would you tell a girl who's coming out of college and wants to run, like see how good she can be? Like what would you tell her the difference is? Like what are some of the important things you've learned in the last couple of years for improving? Yeah, I mean, the, biggest one coming out of college um at least for me personally but for people in general is obviously injuries like I thought I took care of myself in college but I was still very much a 20 year old college student who didn't sleep enough or eat that well and drank too much and like all of the things um so you got in some sort of injury every like five or six months which is just not super sustainable and just not helpful in like your growth as an athlete and then as soon as I graduated and I didn't have that class schedule and I was, you know, an adult on my own and doing this full time, I just really prioritized my health and making good choices because that seems to be like, not necessarily a barrier, but like a huge impacting factor in your success. Like as a post-collegiate athlete, it's just like, are you healthy on that start line? Cause it's such a big thing for everybody. It doesn't really matter how fit you are if you show up to every start line injured or fatigued. Um, so just figuring out like, you know, what's the best balance for me. I'm still working on sleep, but I think I've nailed everything else. Um, but yeah, I'd also tell them to take their time because you will graduate with tons of people who might see success immediately. You might graduate with people who don't see success for eight years. I fell pretty in the middle. I had like some success right away, but not necessarily as much as like Ellie Furrier, who I graduated with. So there's like varying levels, but everyone's on their own timeline. And, you know, we compare ourselves a lot in college, but post-collegiately, it's an even smaller world. So it's really easy to get caught up with like, how is everyone else doing? How many titles do they have? What PRs or records have they set? But remember, you're on your own timeline and like, it's okay. All good advice for sure. Um, final question is going to be for all like the gear nerds out there, but what are you using for the marathon as far as fuel? And if you're allowed to talk about your Brooks shoes, that you're, you're, the shoes you're going to wear in the race, um, you can drop any of those hints too. Um, so I, for fuel, have been using the Huma gels for this whole build. And I really like them just because they taste really good and the packaging is small. And the biggest thing for me right now as an unexperienced marathoner is just taking anything. 
I'll do like the math and figure out like what's best at some point in the future. But right now it's just about like getting in enough and getting in something that like I will take because I will spit out other gels and that's just like not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've been a big Huma fan right now. Um, and I do really like the you can drink ahead of time. And then electrolytes, I'm all over the place. Anything works. And then shoe-wise, I'm obsessed with the Hyperion Elite 4. It's like the most recent version of our like carbon shoe. And it's just like everything I thought a carbon shoe should be. Like it fits really well. It's so bouncy. Like I raced in it this past weekend in um, Houston. And it was just like, wow. Like I came off of Houston, like not very sore, not very tired. It was just like a dream. Yeah. So you're, you're all set on the gear front. Um, I guess our final question that we like to ask at Keeping Track, kind of an open-ended question, but I love hearing what people come up with, um, is what do you want more people to know about you that isn't always talked about in interviews or just something that you want to shout out and talk more about? Um, well, something I literally never talk about in any interviews, but like is at least a huge part of like me internally. I never post about it. I never really talk about it, but I am obsessed with like animals and like nature. Like <laughs> my parents used to make so much fun of me as a kid. They called me the flower child. I bawled my eyes out when I had to eat meat, but I still do. And like, I still did even back then, but I have this like forever ongoing you know, emotional toil when it comes to just existing in the world, because like, you know, like how much I like love these things, but it's like not quite enough to, you know, go off the grid and like be vegan and like all of that stuff. So I'm constantly waging, you know, a moral war inside myself. That's interesting. That's hard as an athlete because it's like the most efficient way to be recovered is to eat animal protein. I know there's a lot of vegan athletes out there, but they at the highest level, they have to somewhat struggle like to get a lot of protein and iron levels. Planning, yeah. yeah. And I just don't have the mental bandwidth to do it, <laughs> which like makes me feel bad, but you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, it's already an unlevel playing field in a lot of ways. You can't be <laughs> struggling to stay nourished, right. but um, maybe you can have a farm when you retire or something. <laughs> Maybe as long as they're happy, as long yeah. as all the animals are happy, it's fine. Yeah, they're probably happiest in nature, aren't they? A farm is probably not even like the happiest right. <laughs> way to raise an animal. <laughs> Maybe you can just like go commune with nature more when you're done yeah. running. Yeah. <laughs> like my favorite memory from being here in Scottsdale was like the one time I saw an owl in the wild, just like Ooh. hanging out. And I was just like, wow, like he's not in a cage at a zoo. I love owls. And he was just like hanging out by the canal doing his thing. They're like kind of rare. Aren't burrowing they? one. Wow. It was awesome. That's cute. I didn't, I never saw an owl on the canal, but I probably was too busy dying to pay attention to the yeah, wildlife. it was an easy day. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool. Yeah. I did see a coyote yesterday and then That's a few scary. miles later I passed whatever it had been eating. So nature, oh, okay. it's a dog eat dog world out there, guys. <laughs> it's, nature is brutal. <laughs> it's brutal, but it's also beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting factoid. Everyone knows about you now. Um, and thanks for speaking with us on keeping track. We'll let you get back to chilling today. I know you have a workout 
kind of tonight and tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. we'll let you rest. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you. Erica. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Bye. Keep track, keep track. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.